0: Mark chapter 16 one more time and let's uh, read the opening scripture of today let's talk about it have some conversations tell somebody next to you hey I'm so glad you came to church today no you didn't say it right tell somebody next to you I'm so glad you came to church today Mark chapter 16, 14 through 20. I'll read it. You don't have to read. Just read along with me up on the screen or with your uh, device or Bible, whatever you have with you. Verse 14. Still after later, he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Now, many of us are familiar with this. That is the great commission. Okay, This is a personal conversation. He's sitting down having with his disciples, sitting at the dinner table, personal conversation. He says, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Not good for people that don't believe. Verse 17, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. I believe that that's some of the good we need to begin to talk about is the miraculous signs that he's done and will do and is going to continue to do. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak with new languages. They will be able to handle snakes and with safety. And would you like to talk about that? (laughs) Huh? I got to tell you an experience. I, I don't know if you know anything about uh, some different religions and practices. Some people take some of these things literally for what they say, and not what they are to be said. And I went to a church in West Virginia—no pun against West Virginia— one time, but back in the woods, up in the hills, to minister, and they literally had a snake pit underneath of my foot where I was preaching from. Now that practice was gone; they were not doing it. Everybody got bit by snakes and died off. So, uh, <laughs> no. But anyway, look, sometimes you just got to talk about it. Sometimes you need to go into and find out what's being said, and, uh, and, and maybe we'll do that over the time period. But anyway, here we go. Uh, where am I? I got caught off guard by snakes. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Actually, Jesus is telling them about Paul's experience about to come. It says, when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up, into, taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. and they lo- And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. I like that statement because it says that he confirmed what they said and confirmed what they were doing. Not what he was doing, what they were doing through miraculous signs. Maybe we'll talk about it over the next few weeks. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We open up our heart to receive, and then we ask that we'll have ears to hear, that what we do here today won't fall on deaf ears. It'll fall on ears that are open to heart transition, heart decisions, being transformed by the renewing of our mind to know the Word and to see how much you love us and your goodness. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Just a couple thoughts I want to, maybe one or two thoughts I want to leave you with before we move too far away from Resurrection Sunday, which was just last weekend. And uh, great services. Thank you, everyone, that came out. Two very packed full services. Again, remember, we are going in the 1st of May. Back to our two services, eight thirty and 10. And uh, so that's coming real soon. <clears throat> We're going to keep that in front of you. But I just want to put us in remembrance of the moment of the resurrection and the ascension real quick by one scripture. Romans chapter 5, 1 through 3, the Passion Translation. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy, tell somebody time to enjoy, true and lasting peace with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus, now I added these words, Yeshua, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into the marvelous kindness that has been given us a perfect, in a perfect relationship with God. Listen, my hope is that somewhere in this pathway as we're on this year discovering the goodness of God is that just maybe that we can begin to embrace the love of God. Embrace how big it is. And how good it is. And how much uh, he, he has purpose for your life. And, and we have a tendency to give up on purpose because of circumstances. Because of life and, and life coming at us. And, and hopefully that maybe even as we venture into some of these things we talk about. You'll be able to discover maybe purpose that you have on your life. Not your purpose. God's purpose. Because that's the only one that's going to succeed. And so with, with that in mind, I, I just want you to, uh, I wrote this quote out, and if you can hear it from heart, just listen, to you just through scripture, maybe what that would look like after the resurrection, after commitment to Christ, maybe after, when I say resurrection, I mean, uh, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. You come to a place where you said, you know what, it's been working out for me, but I just need this Jesus they keep talking about. And you come to where we talked about the Roman road the last two weeks together. Go to social media platforms, our website. You need to go listen to it. I'm referring to the Roman road. I'm referring to uh, the death, burial, and resurrection and what Christ has done for you when I read this. There's something that happens after. There's a new step. There's a next step. Here's what that might look like. Romans 12, 1, 1 through 2, the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life... You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. In a sense, in what we just read in Mark, or Mark, the chapter of Mark, you actually see this is what happened with Jesus. He's having a personal conversation with these disciples, and he's asking them for devotion. He's asking them to, don't take this wrong, to buy into what you've seen. You've just come through a moment of death, bear, and resurrection. You've watched it happen. Now, he even rebuked. He said, look, you're doubting, but you were there. You see, look, here I am. Touch me. And so he's saying, look, I want to take you from this place to where there's no doubt and unbelief in that there's power behind what's just happened. And I want to commission you to go do something with this. It's going to require some devotion. And it's really kind of a, a next step of, we, we can say, it kind of adds to the thought of spreading the gospel, spreading the good news. And before we do it, I'm going to take us back into maybe a couple conversations that Jesus had. One prior to the resurrection and one after the resurrection. We'll hit the one after the resurrection First. Because in these two conversations, there's prophecy being done, there's encouragement being said, and they're saying, Look, there's something about to happen. You're going to need this, and I'm seeing this, and guess what? I'm the confidence that this will happen. These two conversations are prior to two major events that happen for the believer, two major events. And I want us to take us, I want us to talk about maybe kind of some of that pathway so you can understand the importance of those events. Most importantly, I'm going to land on the importance of the church today, the local church. I think it's best for us, we move away from resurrection. Let's talk about the next step for someone that came to Easter last week or made their heart commitment to God. What is most important at that point? They're going to need a family. Before the world comes in and starts to take over what's going on in their life and get them to question and doubt what Jesus, remember, he says, look, you're doubting, and and let me share some things with you. Before that happens, I want to come right in and embrace everyone in this house and say, hey, look, you need a family to continue on with this walk of God. It won't work. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. And Jesus gives us two major events, preparation, conversations to tell you how to guarantee this will be successful, this Christian walk. Let's talk about this real quick. You know, before someone, uh, let, let me say it this way. I just had an event happen in my life yesterday. Guys, have you ever had your wife leaving you in charge of everything at the house? And on the way out the door, she's telling you how to do everything in the house before she leaves the house. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you have, but Pastor Tiffany seems to have a challenge of letting go. And I've been with her for 30 years now, and I can handle this. I got this. And I've learned not to get all upset and get all uptight and say, don't you trust me? Well, I've been down that road. I don't do that anymore. I'd let her get out. I let her say everything she's got to say because she gets out quicker, and then I can take over and do what I want. Big lesson to learn, guys. If you didn't learn that one, go back. It's on the recording. There's your best marriage counseling right there you could ever have. <laughs> it works. I'm telling you, it works. <laughs> Most people, before they're getting ready to make a transition in life, this was just going to Norfolk. She was going to Norfolk. They're going to tell you everything that's important to them before they go out and before they can take off and go on whatever their trip is. And so yesterday, out the door, she's got everything in hand. She's weighted down. I'm trying to help her. She's got everything weighted down. Miss Patty's coming to pick her up. To, she's going to prayer. She's going. To, I mean, she's got a full day in front. She's pulling stuff out of the refrigerator, saying, "You can cook this for lunch if you want." <laughs> Actually, I think it was for breakfast. She, you <laughs> can pull. The, it was the hash browns. You can cook. Guess what I did? I cooked them for breakfast. <laughs> I took her advice. You tell people what you want them to hear, what's most important, right? If you're leaving, you're going off on a, on a trip or, or moving, transitioning life, somebody getting ready to go uh, off uh, in the military, to be gone for 10 months or 12 months. I know some of you in here have experienced that. I promise you, you are sharing with your wife or, or, or husband, hey, look, do this, do this, take care of this, here's how you can do it. Because you just want responsibility to be taken. You just want to make sure you're cared for. How about the same thing happens when uh, I've been in this so many different times, especially with elders that are getting ready to go on home to be with the Lord. And and what are they doing prior to going away? They are sharing important stuff that they want you to remember, things that could be life-changing, things that could be life-helpful, and they're beginning to share that with you. Well, that's exactly what Jesus is doing in these two conversations. He's letting us know, hey, these are some things to come. And Jesus was always prophesying. He was always preparing about the next event to come. So go with me to Luke chapter 24. We'll start right here. This connects us to the conversation we just read in Mark, where Jesus was sitting at the dinner table. He's sharing with them, hey, look, I want you to understand some things uh, about the Great Commission. I'm going to commission you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to do all of this. But here, listen to me. Luke shares a little bit more to the same conversation that you don't see in Matthew and Mark. John never talks about this. John actually gives more information to what I'm going to share with you right now about the personhood of the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't actually talk about this dinner table conversation. Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. In that conversation, Luke gives us a little bit more insight to what the conversation had included, what was included in it. Verses 46 through 49, the New Living Translation. And he said, who? Jesus And he said, Yes, it is written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It is also written that the message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses to all these things. Verse 49. Now, listen, here's the key to this conversation it's after the resurrection. This is during the 40-day time that Jesus is walking on the earth, popping through walls and doing crazy stuff and catching people off guard. And, and, you know, they're still captivated by the moment. They're still trying to embrace all that just happened. And now all of a sudden, you, you ever seen anybody raised from the dead? All of a sudden, he's sitting with them and they watched him on the cross. And they're like... Are you a ghost or something what, what's This is what the moment is. And so when he begins to talk about this, here's what is said in this conversation. Jesus is telling them in the after resurrection, after the ascension, there's something else I want you to, there's something I want you to hear. There's something really important to the next thing that's going to happen in your life. Verse 49. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Jesus is telling them about the coming of the Holy Spirit now. Listen, I'm going to be right up front with you because this is not what I want to focus on today. I'm not going to focus on the personhood of the Holy Spirit very much today. I encourage you to go to our website listen to a series we called Pentecost. It will bless you, not because it's me speaking, that's not my point. It it just, it, it will give some more understanding to some of these things. I want to skip through this pretty quick, because I really want to get to the importance of the local church in your life. All right, but here we go. It says, and now we will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Now, again, if you go to John chapter 14, 15, and 16, you can see the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. He comes to convict. He comes to help. He comes to stand by. He comes to show you things to come. He becomes a personal person in your life. All right? Now, in that moment of conversation that you were just sitting in at the table, go with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 is the same conversation. All it is, is Luke wrote Acts. Luke here, in this recording, he's continuing in the same conversation in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. You okay with me so far? Acts chapter 1. You understand it when you hear it. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, verse 8. In my first book, I told you, Theopolis, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. You need to go check that out. It's pretty cool. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. He's sharing with them things that are important to him. Once when he was eating with them, now we know where we are at that conversation that we were just talking about. Once when we were eating, when when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I've told you before, John, baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. After Jesus said that, he ascended. Verse 8. But you will receive power. Tell somebody, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses, my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So now he says that, look, you're going to need power to do this great commission. So when this is being spoken and when Luke's continuing on with this conversation and those that he's, he's sharing this with Theopolis, but he also is doing it through the mindset that, look, Jesus told us that something was coming. Jesus told us that he commissioned us. He told us to be devoted. And in this devoted life, there's things I'm going to want you to do. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to lay hands on the sick. And look, it's as if Jesus is saying, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to make sure that you have me backing you up to fulfill everything that I'm commissioning you to do. Just as much as I'm asking for your devotion, you can count on my devotion to you. So this is what Luke is saying. And it's interesting, skip over with me to Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. Remember, these conversations led up to two major events prior to, I mean, just after the ascension of Christ. Within 50 days... This is one of the most major events right here, Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. Now you see what Luke just prophesied, Luke just spoke about. Now you see what we saw in Mark. You see all of this happen here in this one moment, and here it is. He says, look, now you got 120 people sitting in an upper room, Wait until you're endued with this power from on high, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes, falls on all of them, those 120, and all of a sudden, their, their socks are knocked off. They're, 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 they're prophesying, they're speaking, they're excited, they're full of joy, there's no doubt. Boldness gets on their life. Okay, stop with me right there. You see them speak with tongues. That's not what this service is about today. But you see them speak with tongues. You see very cool things begin to happen. Why? Because every conversation that they had with Jesus up to this moment is now beginning to be impacted on them and beginning to capitalize. And they're like, oh, wow, this is real. How do we know it's real? Follow the rest of the chapter. You see Peter, full of boldness. And what's interesting about this moment with Peter is because the conversation I'm going to talk to you about in a minute was the very conversation that Jesus had with him. He said, upon this church, I will build my... Upon this rock, I will build my church. So because of a conversation that Jesus had with Peter and all these little moments we just talked to you about, I'm fast-forwarding really, really fast. Because of all those moments... You see Peter, in this moment of boldness, come onto his life. And what did he do? He began to preach. He began to proclaim. The commission became real to him. It was easy for him. Nothing was in his way. Can't touch this. He's just going after it. He's going after it. He's preaching and preaching and preaching. And leads up to what I want to talk to you about today. The second most important event that happened after the ascension of Christ Peter, in Acts chapter 2, look at verse 41, the New Living Translation. He's preaching. Anybody remember the thought in this chapter where it says, these are not drunk as you suppose? Nine o'clock in the morning, they're acting a fool. They're going crazy. They're rolling all over the place, speaking in tongues and doing crazy things. What's interesting in this moment is is Pentecost. This is when every uh, culture is around. That's why when you see them, hey, they heard all of their different languages because there's many different dialects and cultures around, and the power of the Spirit was able to speak to everyone. No one is excluded from hearing God's voice. And here in this moment, he's preaching, move away from the power of the Holy Spirit coming on. I can't teach on that today. You've got to see this one. Because this conversation picks up from a prophecy I believe Jesus spoke over Peter. And it began the the most greatest, one of the next greatest events to happen in the history of time. Nothing will ever trump it. Nothing will ever be bigger than it. Remember last week when Jesus said, remember that statement? It is finished. What did we mean by that? Nothing, nothing absolutely can knock this group of people down. Acts chapter 2, look at verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the what church, church that day. About 3,000 in all. Later we see 5,000 and it just continued on to grow for 20, 30 years in the book of Acts. You can go read it. But at that moment, what Jesus prophesied in Mark, Matthew chapter 16 came to fruition. Peter saw the beginning of the church age. Go We meet to Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 through 19. The message translation. I use different translations because I do the time, take the time to study to find out what's closer to its original translation, the Greek. So that you're getting as close to the, to the truth as you can, okay? So when I use different translations, it's not because it sounds better. There's a reason. When you hear this out of Matthew 16, listen, this is Jesus having this conversation with Peter this conversation, this let's talk about it, this moment that he's having with him is prepping him for the coming of the resurrection. Go read it, because right after this, Jesus begins in that moment. Every conversation he has from that moment is about the resurrection coming. And so he prepares them for something. He says, look, Jesus said, I will put together my church. church. Uh, and I put in here in parentheses my family because I've done a study on the word church. We'll talk about it here in a minute. But it actually says I'm going to put together my family. I'm going to put together my family, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door, no more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven, and no on earth is a no in heaven. Now listen, can you understand, just think with me, how powerful this, when this happened to Peter When the power of the Spirit came on him, everything he had heard from this conversation on came to fruition. And nothing was going to keep him from preaching and spreading the great commission of the gospel. So here's my question for you today. Let's talk about it. I'm going to give you three questions. Number one, I want you to understand how important this thing that you're sitting in right now, not this building, but how important the church is to you and your life and fulfilling God's purpose on your life. Without it, it will not be fulfilled. Maybe I should say it this way. It can be fulfilled, but it won't be fulfilled to its fullest. Because you need people in your life that have not just like faith. I don't, I don't want to lead, lead it to a, a, a doctrine of, of denomination but you need people that know Jesus in your life to fulfill God's purpose in your life. And there is enough out there right now to compromise everything that we believe when it comes to Jesus. There are agendas trying to compromise the work of Jesus. And I'm confident that right now that when you begin to see some of the prophecies in the, book, in the Acts of, excuse me, in, in, in the Gospels, and you see how the book of Acts begin to function, I believe that we can see the pattern of how this will work in our life. Question number one, what is a church? Well, it comes from the Greek word ekklesia. Some say ecclesia, some say ekklesia, so don't worry about the translation. That word means a calling out or an assembly together of people. It has an extended definition of family, a calling out of a group of people that become a family. And so here, just some quotes. A church is not a building. It's not an institution, it's not a place I go to, nor an event I attend. Many feel like it's just part of the week. They're adding it to their life instead of letting it become their life. It's just a civil duty. I'm just here because uh, it seems good to me to go to church. And that's actually, if I can tell you why that seems good, why that drawl is there, because you can go to Ezekiel and you can find out that eternity is built in the heart of man. And it's the eternity draw of God that's in your heart that you can't ignore. You don't even know what it really is sometimes. And it's the draw of God who was your creator, who was your Elohim of Elohim, that's drawing you to His family. Sometimes I think we should move church out of the way and put family. It gives us a better definition of that. But then I don't want to take church out of the way because there's something about hearing the word church that gives me power. Church, it's a spiritual family that I belong to. Look at somebody. Do you belong? Not the church, corporate, body, building. Not Baptist, Pentecostal, um, Catholic. That's not what I'm asking you. That's your choice of belief. That's your choice of corporate body, family, you want to come submit or not submit, adapt to or get involved with. That's what that is. That's not what I'm saying. But where's your family? Where's your family? And is that the attack of the enemy right now on this world to destroy family and its makeup? Because he knows the power that's in it. And there's no greater force on this earth than the power of a church. And I'm talking about church worldwide, but also the local church. And when you become part of that, listen to me. A church is a group of baptized believers who've joined together in a commitment to help each other fulfill God's purpose on their life. And fulfill the great commission, which is to reach the world with the gospel. Same chapter, Acts chapter 2. We've not moved away from 50 days of the ascension, uh, of the resurrection now. Jesus is gone, 40 days, he's, he's ascended, but they're on this 50 day moment. I'm confident that now you see the pattern of what happened when the Holy Spirit came on them and the church began. Here's the pattern of what church should look like. Now, everybody's got their own makeup of this, I get it, but here's the meat. Here's the bones of what I think belief should be in local church that's going to help you be successful in God's purpose for your life. Acts chapter 2, 41 through 42, and verse 46. I'm not taking anything out of context. I'm just saving time. I'm also reading verses 41 through 42 in the message translation, and I'm reading verse 46 out of the living Bible. Not the living Bible, just living Bible. And I've put those two together. Listen, those who believed were baptized and added to the church. They joined with other believers, joined, made a joined with other believers, and committed themselves. They made a commitment, not a commitment to Christmas and Easter. That's not a commitment. You're just attending. They made a commitment. I'm not talking about where. I'm just saying to church, to family. They made a commitment to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. They worshiped together regularly where? At the temple. Temple of that day was in the church. Can you see why COVID was so impactful? Pulled us away from the gathering. Pulled us away from the assembling. Pulled us away from a place where we would be around people that, hey, here's where I want to, I can't, I don't think I'll get to this today as much. But church is more about what you bring than is what you get. But if I don't appeal to what you, what, what you get, it's hard to embrace what you, what you bring. Okay? So COVID took us away from all of that. And I haven't talked about COVID in two years. But but COVID took us away from that and got us isolated into a small group without the big group. And that small group became your own family and you became a family within your own. Couldn't be around any other family members. Why? Because it might get COVID from them. Or you might be give COVID to them. Just got us all isolated into this spot to where people went crazy. People got in their head. People ran out, got bored. People started doing stupid stuff. And the results are there. The results of crazy is there. Not crazy just because people are crazy, but emotionally, suicide. I'm talking about it's there. Everything's there. The church, but I'm telling you right now with everything within me, the church is coming back. I don't think it's coming back. I think the church is already here. Because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But Listen, I'm going to say this very boldly. With all the love within me, the gates of hell will prevail against you without the church. Because you'll need when you're having a a bad day, and it's all you can think about is your moment of bad day. You got to get around people that know how to talk you out of that bad day, so that bad day don't become your bad day forever. They worshiped together regularly at the temple courts and met in small groups. Imagine that. After they met in the temple, not before. After. Now, we're not in a session of small groups right now. How much time I got? We're not, oh, we're, we're not in a session of small groups now. We have another semester that will start up in June. But that will parallel with our next series of Mercy and Grace. But uh, it's not, is it? Cool. <laughs> I got it right. <laughs> so, anyway, the next semester, why do you think we small groups, we, we believe in them so much? I'm just going by the pattern. You follow the pattern, it works. Because you need family, you need people, but you can't, here we are, let's go and I don't want to talk about all that, that not, means nothing today. I met in small groups in homes for communion and shared meals with great joy and thankfulness. One of the greatest privileges that in life will be a part of a local church, a local body of believers and a church family. Question number two, that was just what a church is. Question number two, why do I need a church, a family? The reason some Christians really neglect it is because they don't understand its importance. They don't understand its purpose. They don't understand why it's so important. We talked about some of that just a few minutes ago. But number one, I want to give you six reasons. Can you handle it? Six reasons why the local church or a church body or a church family is important to you. Number one, when we're, <laughs> I love this one, when you are united, we experience the presence of Jesus. Matthew 18 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. Jesus, the answer to everything in your life. Jesus, Jehovah Sitkanu, Jehovah Righteous, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer. When we come together, that's the one scripture says that he begins to walk the aisles with us, just waiting to touch your life with his goodness. And when we assemble together, what happens is we experience that presence. All right, anybody ever walked out of church feeling better about yourself? Yes. Yeah. I made it about self. Anybody feel better about you? Huh? Anybody ever walked in a building and you're like, oh wow, this is really just something about this place? Jesus, the presence is there. But don't make it about the building. Number two, it will give you a place to belong and helps us focus on God together. Everybody wants a place to be valued and feel, feel like they have a value to something. Everybody wants a place to belong. Yeah. Look at somebody right next to you and say, you absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you are so weak. Say, you say, you absolutely, yeah. absolutely. belong. Yeah. Number three, it will strengthen and grow our faith together. This is what the church does for you. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, Amplified Version. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and do good deeds. Now, I'm actually taking that one to heart to learn how to think before I speak sometimes so I don't get myself in trouble. But he says, look, consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. Number four. It will help us face life problems together. You just need people in your life. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12. New living. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Number five, you guys okay with this so far? It will make sure, what? Being part of a church family. A church family, wherever that is. We're believing God right now. When I say believing, this has been a prayer request. This has been a petition of our staff. is that we will see a hundred new families come to know Christ and get involved in a local church. Doesn't have to be this one. Just get involved in a local church because we believe in this. We also are believing for 100 new salvations this year, people that are just committing their life to Christ, and 100 new families that will join Coastal Family Church because we just believe in this. We believe that <clears throat> this will help you discover your purpose. Number five, it will make sure you discover your God-given purpose. Proverbs nineteen twenty one: Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Now, I really believe this wholeheartedly when it comes to kids and children. From elementary to junior high to high school. Um, This is maybe my personal belief, so I don't want to press push it off on you. I don't believe your kids can do anything they want to do. If we go to our kids and say, hey, you can be anything you want to be, do anything you want to do, and you just fulfill your dreams, I don't believe in that because that's not what the scripture says. That won't succeed. It's God's plan that will succeed. I believe you can do what God tells you to do. I believe you can fulfill what God's called you to do. And I believe he'll equip you to do what, God's, what he's called you to do. That, to me, is the message that should be put into our kids from elementary on. And one of the greatest places for, that we help kids do that is in the ministry of Quest for the, the, the upper elementary, lower junior high age, Quest comes in and grabs those kids at that age and begins to form them. I don't want to say form, help them discover how to be influential in a God-given purpose. We've had multiple conversations with Seth and Roxanne, our youth pastors, conversations with Sarah, the conversations we're having right now. How can we equip these kids in the world that they're living in that's try- throwing everything at them? If Listen, if you are 40 and above, your world's not even close to what it used to be. You can't, we can't even relate and fathom. Number one, what's on their hip everywhere they go, the social media, the expectations, and the agendas that are out there. We need more than ever a symbol together of family to help direct these kids into their God-given purpose and not man's purpose. And they need look. I'm just telling you, what they're asking these two are tough questions that I'm convinced that 80% of us in here could not even answer. The wise. Because their best friends are, are, have no God concept in their life. And what their best friends are living looks good and understandable and is acceptable. And these kids are all looking for acceptability. It's acceptability a word. But it works. They're looking for acceptance. They're looking for value. They're looking for a place where, where that will be owned, where, that, where you can guide them. Here's the one thing I would encourage you to never do. Never compromise truth because even if they walk away, they'll know where to come back. And if you compromise truth, listen, if you compromise truth, this is the Scriptures, the Word, you've got to be able to be in it. You've got to get in it to know it. But if you compromise truth, listen, truth would say, <laughs> For me and my household, we will serve God. My kids will raise my kids up in the way they should go, and they won't depart from it. So when they choose when their own stubborn self says, hey, I need, it's kind of like the prodigal son, I want to come back. The reason the prodigal son came back is because he knew where truth was in his father, and his father said he never left. So if you leave truth, when those kids turn and want to come back to truth, they left the truth. Why do I want to go back to them? Because they didn't even really believe what they believe. so why would, why, that just confirms everything that I'm trying to find the answer to. That was number five. It will make sure you discover your God-given purpose. Now listen, I'm going to give you number six, and we'll get ready to close this out because we have to, to respect your time. Church family and church itself, corporately and locally, should never be the dictator of your life. If it's trying to dictate your life, that's controlled, that's ungodly, that's not God. God wants to lead your life. He wants to, the word lead in our English translation means to influence. God wants to influence you into a, a pathway that will guarantee your success. Listen. listen. Lead and influence. It's up to you to choose the influence. He will never force his influence on you. He will just lead and influence you to make a choice. But he believes in you to make the right choice. You know how we know he. Oh, man. You know how we know he believes in that you'll make the right choice? Hebrews 13. Well no. I got to go find the reference back here in the file. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Why? Because he believes in you. He believes that you will turn and come to him and make the choice. That's why he can't leave you. He, he gave too much. Number six. Why I need church. It will help you find a place to make a difference. Now I'm not going to focus on that a lot today because I want you to just know why church is important to you. But I will give you these scriptures, Ephesians three ten, the Message translation. Through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about, even among the angels. Can I throw a bold question to you? I wonder if they're actually. I wonder if they're talking about you. They're talking about the church. If you're not in a church, angels aren't talking about you. church is the hope of the world and we have been commissioned by Jesus to do as a group to go into all the world and fulfill the great commission we have the message that everyone needs i think i got a scripture i don't want to m- miss oh yeah i gotta say this ephesians three twenty. you ready by his mighty power at work within us god is able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare ask think or hope what's he saying he's saying by the power that's in us corporately as a church There's nothing that we can't overcome. When you see yourself part of something bigger than yourself, fears begin to disappear, boldness begins to come. Impossibilities become possibilities, and mountains become molehills. God never asks you to go around the mountain. He always takes you through or over. Church is the only way you'll go through or over without church you'll be run, running all over the place that's about done we got more but stand up with me I'll read this last scripture to you because I have to it sets me up for next week question number three I think I told you I was going to give you three questions what shall we say then what shall we say about all of this so we begin to talk about it what shall we say Romans 8, 31 through 39. Wow, that's a lot to read. My wife's telling me, don't do it. I'm going to read a portion of it. (laughs) What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? I've always read this scripture as an individual. I really have. I'm being selfish with you. I'm I'm letting you know that. I've always read this as for me. This is God talking to me. But I found out that's not what's being said at all. He's talking about the church. If you take time to go read this in the New Living, go home and count how many times you see the word us. What shall we say about the wonderful things as these? If God is for us, the church, who can ever be against us, the church? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? I'm not going to read any more because I want to come back and have more for you next week. You need a church. You need a local church. Yes, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need Him working in your life. But there's more importance to this moment right now. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. <clears throat> I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. We're not here to do that to you. But I do want you with your eyes closed. And I only do that so that you can question your own questions. And think about your own answers to them. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hands today. I just want you asking yourself this one question. Do I have a corporate, local, church, family that I belong to? And if the answer is yes, awesome. You're empowered to do the work of the ministry, the commission. you got God backing you up. you got God just watching over you. He's always watching over you. I don't want to lead you to believe the opposite of that. But if you don't have yes to that answer... I invite you to be a part of our family. We'd love to have you here. There's multiple churches here on the Outer Banks that make sure they're teaching the Word, the compromise, uncompromised. that Jesus is salvation. You know, all of those thoughts behind that. Find a local church so you can get part of a family that will embrace you into what God's doing and you can begin to discover what your God-given purpose is. Let me pray over you and I'm going to let you go today and uh, we'll be done. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for everyone in this household, those that came today for the first time, those that came back from last week, those that have been with us for just a few weeks or so, all of us, Father, I just pray that you'll open up our hearts to how much you love us and how how great the hope is on our life that you have for us and Help us to see and get into that landing place of a good body of church believers and family that we can do life together and see life together and, and just do uh, be about the great commission that you've been commissioned us all to do. In Jesus' name, I pray everyone in this house that as they get back out there in life, that angels will watch over them, keep them safe. Uh, they'll be protected everywhere they go. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen this okay today? I love you. I'll see you next week. Have a great day.